just say thank you so much for um, always coming to church excited. I've preached in a lot of dead churches, and it really stinks. It's so hard to preach because it's like, man, are they paying attention or are they just checking you out? But I wanted to say to you guys, you guys make it so easy Sunday after Sunday because I feel like, I feel like we're working together. And so today I want to continue our series that we started last week. It's called Save People serve people. Would you say that with me? Save people, serve people. And if you're new to IFC or you missed last week, you can go back on the website. We post all the services there. I want to give you just a little bit of a recap and then we'll jump into today's message. Last week we talked about life is more fulfilling when we serve others. And I shared with you, if you're living a a, a dull or boring life, it's really easy to add some life back in. That is to look at others and find out how you can serve them, and then you will be fulfilled. The truth of us, most of us work a nine to five Monday through Friday, and we are not fulfilled. Can I get an amen? It was quite a quiet. Most of us work a daily job, and we give our, our time, our talent, and our energy to a paycheck. And to be honest with you, at the end of the day, it's not fulfilling. And the truth is, is because it only fulfills natural needs. And as I've been reminding you over the last few weeks, you are not a natural being. You are a supernatural being. And so your fulfillment comes through serving God's people with the gifts, the talents, the time, and the treasure that he's placed in your life. We looked at Philippians chapter 2 and it said, not looking to your own interest, but look to the interest in serving others. The second point we talked about last week was serving others allows us to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. You know, for, for me, for many years, I felt like I don't have that much to offer. What would I contribute? I'm so insignificant. I'm so underqualified. And those statements all come from the enemy, by the way. They don't come from your spirit. They come from the one that opposes you. Are you awake today? And they try to, he tries to tell you those things, and then he wants you to say them out loud over your own life. But the truth is, is you are significant. You do have a purpose. And God has a plan and he's gifted you for something greater than your own life. It's actually to be a part of something greater collectively called the body of Christ. And I want to tell you this to you. Your part only makes a difference when it's attached to the body. Cut your finger off and tell me how useful your finger is. Detached from the body. It's the same with us in the body of Christ. As we attach ourselves to the body, we find our significance in the greater whole means so much more. Number three, we talked about we don't have to serve. We get to serve. The heart of a child of God is not, oh, I have to do this. or Oh, that's a religious thing. No, no, no. When we're saved, we understand that we get to. Oh, man, I I get to be a part of something bigger. I I get to be fulfilled. I get to help others. And I want to ask you to to check your attitude. Turn to your neighbor and say, he ain't talking about me. He's talking about you. I want you to check your attitude because your attitude determines your promotion in life. When we have a have-to attitude, we stay the same. But when we have a get-to attitude, God promotes us. Some of us are looking for a promotion on your natural job. Get out of the mentality that you have to go to work and go there in faith saying, Lord, I get to do this today. I'm going to tell you this. It'll make a difference not only in your performance, but you watch God promote you amongst others. And they'll say, well, how'd you get special treatment? 
Well, so I'm a child of God. I don't have to do this. I get to do this. Save people. Serve people. You got it. Let me read just out of uh, our core values because this is one of our core values at IFC. And we say it this way. Life is more fulfilling when serving others. Our focus starts with our local church. It extends to our community and then it reaches the nations. Listen to this last part. It's the natural progression of a changed life. When your life is changed through receiving Jesus Christ, there's a progression of things that happen. First, your spirit is recreated in Christ. Everybody say, in Christ. There should be a progression of changes that happen in our life. They start with our mind, they go down to our heart, and then they lead to our actions. I'll say that again. When we receive Christ in our life, there's a natural progression of change. First, your spirit is recreated in a moment from death to life, and now you are created in the image of Christ. And then from there, through the Word, we transform our minds by the, the renewing of our minds by the Word, and then guess what? It changes our heart, and once our hearts change, our needs change. We go from needing to be served to needing to serve others. Well, pastor, I don't, I don't have that desire. Then you got some progress to go. Because the desire that God has for us is that we get away from the focus being on us and he focuses it on others. And then we get the attitude of, oh, I, I, I get to do this. I get to be a part of this. Lord, really, you want to use me? That's a natural progression of true life change. 2 Corinthians 3.18. Everybody say the living Bible. I like the living Bible. In my grandmother's house, this was a, a big green Bible. Nobody got a grandma with a big green Bible? This was like the Bible that was like, man, it, when you're little, it was like it seemed enormous. The living Bible says it this way. It says, but we Christians, we have no veil over our faces. We can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. And as the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become, everybody say become, we become more and more and more and more like Him. Like who? Like, like Jesus, our example. The more that we allow the Spirit to work in us, He transforms us into the image of Christ. Listen, Jesus isn't working your job today. Jesus isn't living in your neighborhood. He doesn't go to your school. But you and I have been adopted into his family, recreated in Christ, given his image, and we are called to bear his image and likeness everywhere we go. Amen. So if we're called to bear his image and likeness, what did he look like? What was he like? Truth is, is in a nutshell, he was a servant. God came to earth as a man to serve humanity. I like the way that Philippians says this in Philippians chapter 2. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Everybody say humbled. 
He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. After we receive Christ, our identity is then changed. And the natural progression for us as a spirit-led believer is that our hearts change. He said, let this mind be in you. First, you've got to get your mind renewed. But once you've renewed your mind, then now your heart changes. And what happens once your heart changes? Your focus of your actions change. Before you were saved, it was all about you. Me, me, me. My name is Jimmy. I'll take all you give me. Everything was focused on me and what can I get out of life and how can I get my needs met and how can I, 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 I was I focused. But he's saying here when you get the mind of Christ through receiving salvation, your mind will be renewed which will cause your heart to change. And we get unfocused on ourselves and all of a sudden we begin to see people differently. And it seems like the more we walk with him, the more we see I'm called to be a blessing to humanity. The true progression of a changed life is our mind is renewed. Everybody say a renewed mind. Through the word. And then our heart changes. When we accept Christ, we, we get a new heart and it's transformed from wanting to be served to how can I serve others? Ezekiel 36 says it this way. He says, I will give you a new... Is it up on the screen? Y'all want to help me today? He give me a new... And I will put in you a new... And I will take out your old stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Listen, save people serve people is more than a cliche. It's the truth of who we are called to be. It's our response to salvation to serve others. For many of us, this is a challenging thing because even though we got saved, we have not renewed our minds to the hope of his calling. Listen to me, Paul prayed, he said, I prayed that the eyes of your understanding would be open that you would know the hope Know the hope of what? Of the calling that God's placed on your life. He's saying that I pray that, 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 that your eyes, your, the eyes not of your head, but the eyes of your heart, that they would be free and clear of uncluttered,ness so you can see God's got more for you than just meeting your needs. We talk about this in Next Steps. We talk about how we, we believe that everybody needs to find freedom from their past. We've all got baggage. I said, we all got baggage. Don't look at me so religious. We all got stuff in the past. And what does baggage do? What does, what does it do? It clutters our vision. It becomes a weight on our eyes, not the eyes of our head, but the eyes of our heart. And when Paul prays, I pray that the eyes of your understanding be flooded with light that you would know. That you would know him and you would know the hope of his calling for you is to be a servant just like him. We find a crazy story in Matthew 10 of Matthew 10 35 out of the Passion. It says, Jacob and John, the sons of Zebedee, they, they approached Jesus. These were two of his disciples. And they say, Hey, will you do us a favor? He says, Sure, what is it? And they said, We want to sit next to you when you come into your glory. I want to sit on your left, and my brother wants to sit on your right. And he said, You guys, you, you don't have a clue what you're asking for. Are you prepared to drink the cup of suffering that I'm about to drink? 
Are you able to endure the baptism into death for which I'm about to experience? And they replied quickly, of course. Yeah, we able. Where are we able? And he said to them, certainly you will drink the cup of my suffering and be immersed in my death. But, but to have you sit in the position of the highest honor, that ain't mine to decide. It's reserved for those especially prepared to have it. Now the other disciples overheard these jokers talking and they became angry and began to criticize them. And Jesus said, calm down, hold on, no fighting guys. And he pulled them together and he said this, he said, those recognized as rulers, those you recognize as rulers of the people and those who are in the top leadership positions, they rule with oppression over their subjects. But this, everybody say, but this. But this is not the example you are to follow. He's saying, remember, you're not natural, you're supernatural. You're looking at kings and priests, natural dictators and leaders. But that's not who you are, you're spirit beings. He said in verse 43, you are to lead by a different model. For if you want to be the greatest, then live as the one who is called to serve others. Listen to this so powerful. The path to promotion comes by having the, there it is again, the heart of a bondservant who serves everyone. For even the Son of Man did not come expecting to be served by everyone, but to serve everyone and to give his life as a ransom, as a ransom price for the salvation of many. We watch this happen all the time. With men and women on our jobs, with friends and co-workers and family, we all want to be great. I want to be great. I hope you want to be great. And so in our natural minds, we think about how do I become greater? How do I become greater? How do I be given more? And the Lord is saying, you need to stop thinking about promotion and leadership from a natural perspective because that's only going to get you so far. But if you really want promotion within the kingdom, it comes from a different pattern, a different model. See, the disciples thought that Jesus was literally coming to take over man's authority in in Rome and in that area. They thought he was talking about natural kingdoms. They hadn't revealed to them yet that he was talking about a supernatural kingdom. And he's saying, guys, you're totally missing it. You're asking for a favor that I cannot give because it's not my decision. It's about the determination of a heart who leads. It's about the determination of a servant's heart who's given promotion. He's saying, if you really want a desire to be great, there's nothing wrong with that. But the way you're going about it, you're going to miss it. For I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And if you want to be great, Become a bondservant to every man and every woman and every child. I like to define a servant's heart like this. A servant's heart means to have a mindset or a desire to selflessly and sacrificially serve others, regardless of your feelings towards them or what it may cost you. Listen to this. Having a servant's heart is a mindset that turns into a desire that overpasses feelings, understanding the cost. When we follow Christ and the natural progression of following him, it should lead to a a different mindset. Everybody say mindset. You can set your mind on something, you know that? 
You have the ability to set your mind on whatever you want. For many in this room, we've set our mind to get up early and work out. I'm just not one of them. But some of you, I follow you on Instagram. You're, you're, on, you're up early. You, you've set your mind and your clock to get up and do something that you desire. It's the same way as serving. You can set your desire and set your mind to today when I get up, I'm going to serve other people. No matter what the cost or how I feel about them. The heart of a servant is a mindset. Regardless of feelings, Philippians chapter 2, we talked about, let this mind be in you as it was in Christ. For the next few minutes, I want to talk about qualities of a servant's heart. And though there would be hundreds that we could talk about and debate about, I want to give you five or six of them. And the first one that I want to give you is responsiveness. Responsiveness. A servant has a responsive heart. The Bible says, incline your ear to him. Incline your ear to my sayings. For many people, they miss out on the opportunity to serve God and be used of God because they haven't inclined their ear to what he's saying to them. The heart of a servant is attentive and responsive to when God calls. If you went to Sunday school, you you heard the story of Samuel. And the Bible says that Samuel was serving under Eli in the house of God. And Eli's eyesight had gone bad and he was resting and so... Samuel was in charge of keeping the lamp of the Lord lit. And in the middle of the night, the Lord called out to Samuel, 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 and he jumped up out of bed and he ran into Eli's room, said, what, what's going on? What do you need? He said, why are you waking me up? I'm, I'm tired, boy. Get out of here. And Samuel went back to the room and the Lord called him again, Samuel, Samuel. And he jumped up again, ran back into Eli's room and said, what do you need? What, what's going on? What's up? And He said, man, you you ate some pizza, too much Mountain Dew, go back to bed. (laughs) We're in that season in our house where the kids come out of the room all night. I can assume this is what was happening with Eli. And the third time the Lord called Samuel, Samuel. And he ran into Eli and Eli said, oh man, that's not me calling you, that's the Lord calling you. The next time he speaks to you, answer him by saying, speak Lord for your servant. You're what? For your servant is listening. And the Bible says the Lord called him again. Samuel, Samuel, he jumped up out of bed and he stood at attention. He said, Lord, speak. Your servant is listening. The first quality of the heart of a servant is someone who's responsive to what God is saying to them. John 15 out of the Amplified, John 5, 19 out of the Amplified says, Jesus said, I tell you, the Son of Man is able to do nothing of himself or of his own accord, but only able to do what he sees and hears the Father doing. For whatever the Father does is what the Son does in the same way. I have a seven-year-old boy. His name's Hunter. And, and sometimes I'll call to Hunter, and I know he can hear me, but he ain't responding. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> I say, Hunter, you come down here. You left your shoes down here. And I wait for a response that doesn't come. And so then I walk closer to the stairs. And I say, Hunter, Hunter Allen, left your shoes down here, son. Crickets. And you wait and you wait thinking he's going to respond, right? He's going to respond and he doesn't. And so I go over to the stairs and I stand at the top of the stairs and I say, Son, down here and get these stinking shoes. 
Take him to your room. Crickets. And I know that little joker standing right around the corner. And it's until I get on the stairs and I start, I don't run up the stairs, I just stomp on the first step. And he thinks I'm running, so he comes running down. No, Daddy, what'd you need? What'd you need? I said, son, I called you four times. Oh, I didn't, I didn't hear you. I was playing Legos in my room, praying in the Holy Spirit. I said, I doubt it. I wonder if that's how God the Father feels with us. Because he wants to call us. But he's called us and called us and called us and he's wondering, I wonder if they're going to respond or do I need to go find somebody else? I'll say this to you. If you want to be used of God, respond quickly. My answer is yes, quickly. Yes, Lord, choose me. I don't want to stand before the Lord and say, hey, man, I gave you 10 chances, JC. I called you, I called you, I called you, and you didn't hear me. So I went over and I got King to do it. Listen, the heart of a servant is responsive to the master's call. Number two, the second sign of a, of a, of a servant's heart is humility. Everybody say humility. humility. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Humility isn't about putting yourself down like you're not good enough or you're not qualified enough. No, that's not what humility is. Humility is thinking less of yourself and thinking about others first. The heart of a servant is responsive to God's voice, but then all of a sudden looks out to say, what is it you want me to do for somebody else? For many people, and, and I've been there in this season of life, where all oh, my prayer requests are about me, what I need, what I need, and my prayer of humility needs to be, Lord, uh, forget my needs. How do you want to use me to help somebody else? Second sign of a servant's heart is humility. Humble people don't serve for recognition. Or to draw attention to themselves. Here's, a, here's an easy way to tell if you have a servant's heart. When someone treats you like a servant. An easy way to tell if you have a servant's heart is how you act when you're treated like a servant. Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather... In humility, value others above yourself. Number three, everybody say number three. Indication of a servant's heart is flexibility and availability. Serving requires an attitude of the heart that says, whatever needs to be done, I'm willing. Sometimes I'll tell Hunter to do something, and he'll say, right in my face, he'll say, I'll do it, but I don't want to. I said, well, you're going to do it either way. You can do it after you get your attitude together, or I can give you a correction, then you can do it. Which one you want to do? But regardless, we're going to do this. The heart of a servant says, I'm willing and able. I choose to do it because you have called me to do it. The Bible says this. It says that the, the willing and the obedient together, they prosper the heart of a man or a woman or a child that's willing, Lord, use me, and obedient to do it, flexible to do it, that that person, guess what? It says they shall eat the good of the land. That's right. I'm going to give you a principle right now that's going to help you 
Oh, I hope you hear this. Did I help you overcome inflation? And a declining housing market and whatever else they want to tell us is coming. Here's the way you overcome it. Lord, I'm willing and I'm going to be obedient. And you said, I shall eat the good of the land. Well, it looks like y'all are eating good at your house. Yeah, we're willing. We're willingly submitting ourselves to his plan and his will. We're, we're moving our schedule and our agenda to make sure that when he speaks through humility, we're going to respond. The willing and the obedient. Listen, flexibility and availability, they speak of sacrifice. You had a plan, but he changed your plan. I had these dreams, and he replaced those dreams. When, when we submit our will to his, we're saying, Lord, I had all these things, but if that's not you, I, I want what you want. Speaks of sacrifice. A willingness to put personal agendas on hold to serve. I was here a few weeks ago with um, a group of businessmen and we were meeting up in the cafe and we were talking about some planning for the church and some stuff for growth at the church and we had three busy days of meetings with these men who'd come from out of town and it was the end of the third day. I was exhausted. I was very tired. It was about three o'clock and my wife says, I gotta go. I gotta go get the kids and then I realized we rode to work together so I don't have a car. That's a horrible place to be. I don't know how I'm going to get home. And, 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 and we don't live that far. But I, I was like, oh, man, I don't have a car. And Pastor Mo overheard me, and he said, hey, Pastor, I'll, I'll take you home when you're ready. I said, I appreciate that, Mo. I said, but it's only 3 o'clock. I'm going to be here until about 5.30. These guys, we're not done with the planning thing. We're going to be here for a while. And he said, that's okay. He said, I'll move my plans. I will stay, and I will take you home when you're ready. And I said, no, 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 hold on, Mo, hold on. I said, you understand, I'm going to be here for another two and a half hours. It's three o'clock right now. You need to go home. He lives in New Hampshire up in Wyndham. I said, you got a family. You need to go have dinner. And he said, Pastor Josh, I am here to serve. When you text me, I will be ready to take you home. He was saying, I'll put my plan. Yeah, I got dinner plans. Of course I do. But that's not as important as serving you. That's not as important as being submitted to this house and doing whatever you need done. I said, Mo, I said, the orders are get in your car and go home. Go be with your wife and be with your family. Casey will take me home. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Is it really serving if it doesn't cost you something? True servanthood costs you your plans. The true heart of a servant says, hey, my plans aren't that big of a deal. I can do that on Saturday. I can do that on Tuesday. Lord, I'm flexible and available. Listen, I think that God calls on so many people, but they got no room in their calendar for him to show up and use them. Lord, you could use me, but I, I got Thursday night from 7 to 9. I got Saturday on the, oh, not this Saturday, Lord. We're going to the beach on this Saturday. But I got, I got next Saturday. No, but not next Saturday. My wife got her hair and I got to watch the kids. How about the third Saturday, Lord? I'll block that out. If you want to use me, I'll, I'll be available. And the Lord's saying, how about right now? How about right in this moment? Do this a little bit. Just wiggle. Listen, we got to be flexible. To allow God to do what he wants us to do. Number four. Y'all still glad you came to church today? Yes. A servant's heart has eyes to see. 
A servant's heart has eyes to see. A true heart of a servant's, their eyes are wide open and they're looking for an area to be used. Servants aren't waiting. Servants are looking. I said, servants aren't waiting on the Lord. Well, if he wants me to do something, he's going to have to spell it out and make it happen. No, 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 no. The Lord is saying, get moving. Go ahead. Begin to take steps of faith. Follow your heart. Follow the Holy Ghost. And as you get moving, I'll give you the next steps. Well, if God wanted me to move, he'd move me. I disagree with you. God ain't moving parked cars. God's asking you to put it in drive and head the direction that you feel led. And on the way, he will begin to say, now that you're moving, take a ride here. I got a family over here that needs some help. Now when you get going down this road, stop for a minute because some people over here I want you to bless. Listen, God's not moving parked cars. He's looking for people who are go on green in faith. That's faith of action. We talked about this for four weeks. The last step is we act upon what we know the Word says. We begin to look for opportunities to help other people. The heart of a servant says, let me find a need and fill it. The heart of a servant anticipates being asked to do something. Number five. Everybody say number five. five. Compassion. The heart of a servant leads with compassion. I like to say it this way, compassion is empathy that is moved to action. What's empathy? It's it's putting yourself in someone else's shoes and seeing life as they live it. Putting yourself in their situation or their circumstance and seeing it from their perspective. But that's one thing and it's great to be empathetic, but we're called to be more than just empathetic. We're called to be compassionate, which means not only do I see where you're at, because I've seen it now, I'm going to put myself with you and I'm going to help you out of that. My favorite, one of my favorites is, is Romans chapter 3. It says, Jesus waded right in and he took on the troubles of the troubled. A lot of us like to stand and say, man, that must stink to be in that mess. Woohoo! I feel you, bro. I'm empathetic. I can see where you're at. I got to go. Compassion says, hold on a second, I'm a, I see where you're at, and I'm going to come down there right there with you and, and be a part of that. The heart of a servant doesn't walk past people. It jumps right in and joins them where they are. I'm thinking about my friend Jeffrey. Jeffrey's one of our children's workers. He serves in one of the classrooms upstairs, and he, he drives a couple hours from Connecticut every other week to serve the families of this church who have special needs kids. He sees the needs of these families and he's put himself in there empathetically and understand, man, these families want to come to church and worship God, but they need somebody else to be able to come and help them with their kids. It was just a few weeks ago, a young mom came and said, this is the first church I've ever been able to come and actually go to church and worship because I didn't have any help with my son. Empathy says, I not only see it and empathize with you, you go to church, I'll watch your son. Empathy says, hey, you go do what you need to do. I'm here to bless you. I want to say this to you. If you're a special needs worker or you're trained or an educator, we need you right now. God's sending us some of the best. He's sending us some amazing families, and we've got to have empathy to say, hey, we, we, we go to church every week. Let me handle your kids for a while. Let me bless your kids. Let me pray over your kids. Mom, go to church. Dad, go to church. Worship God. Hear the word. Get fed. Get fired up. That's what empathy does. 
compassion takes another step and says, I'll see you next Sunday morning. You come to the 9 o'clock service, I'll be here. I'll be at the kids' check-in. I'll make sure it happens. Number six, and my final one, is it takes courage. A servant's heart is courageous. A true servant is one who pushes past fear to serve. Every one of us, when we sign up to serve, we're, we're nervous. Are we good enough? Am I qualified? Do I have the goods? I think I do, but maybe I don't. And we underestimate ourselves. Courage steps in the face of fear and says, I'm going to do it anyways. I may not be good at it, but I'm going to do it anyways. I think about David showing up at the battlefield, and he says, what the heck? Who's this guy? And they started talking down to him, saying, you're just a little shepherd boy. What are you going to do? And he said, you're a trained warrior, and you're sitting here on your thumb. What's going on? Courage steps into the face of battle and says, hey, I, I may not have it all, but I got this sling, man. I'm ready to go. Let's do this. I think about our worship team. Every week it takes courage to get on this stage because they got all kinds of critical eyes and attitudes watching them. I think that, I think that lady just missed the cue. She's off. That's, I, that guy doesn't know what he's doing on the drums. I heard him. He missed a beat. We were so critical from out there. You know, it takes courage to stand up here and use your gift in front of hundreds and thousands of people that watch around the world every week. Listen, the children's workers that teach your kids. It takes courage to sit in a small group. Teach them the word. It takes courage to go back and serve students and, and the teenagers of this place. It takes courage to use our gifts for God. It's a requirement of a servant's heart. Listen, without courage, you can't serve. I want to challenge you in this. Have some courage in this season. Have some courage in this season to step up and to use your gift in this house. I want to read you just a couple statements in my kind of my prayer for you. As I close, following Jesus will always cause you to respond to God's voice with humility. And when we get saved, our attitude should reflect the heart of Jesus, who said, not my will, but the will of the Father. And as the Holy Spirit continues to work in us, our, our prayer should be, Lord, show me where I can be used to make a difference in the life of another. And Lord, finally, give me the courage to put your love into action. And I'll tell you this, God's more interested in the why you serve than how well you serve. Don't get hung up on how well you're going to do it. The heart of a servant says, Lord, I, I want to be used. I'm going to be used. Use me. Next week, Steph's going to come and wrap this message up and put a great bow on it. But before we get to the end, I want to go ahead and give you a call to action. And that is, I want to invite you to join one of our dream teams. Hey, man. Woo-hoo. Thanks, Pastor. Everybody's so excited. Thanks, Kevin, for that one. Woo. You know, every week we have hundreds and hundreds of people that come. As you can see, our second service is continuing to fill up, and we're making plans to expand. But I, I want to say this to you. We need you, and you need us. And so we're making it super easy. As you leave the into the foyer today, there's a big column in the middle. You can't miss it. It's blue, and we put these QR codes on there. And it represents all the different teams that I have seen. We have over 30 different teams that you can serve on. And today I want you to leave and I want you to go out there with your smartphone and open up your camera app and, and point it at one of those QR codes for the team that you feel like God's leading you to. 
It'll send a little request for you to fill out a form, and then our team's going to reach out to you and tell you how you can join that team this week. And I want to just invite you to come in this series and make a commitment to serve alongside of us. And I, I see some of you looking at me cross-eyed and you say, I don't feel led to serve. I want to give you free advice. Here's, here's what I like to do. I like to go home and get a pencil. Get a pencil and put it in your pocket and just carry it around today. And then when you stick your hand in your pocket later on this afternoon, you can feel some lead. You'll feel lead then. I don't feel lead. Put a pencil in your pocket and you'll feel lead. Listen, I'll just say it to you this way. If you're a part of the body of Christ, just being real with you, not to be mean, you, you really don't even need to be a prey about it. You really don't even need to pray about joining the team. If you're a part of this house and you call this place home, you have a proper place to use your gifts and talents to serve the greater body. And guess what? You get fulfilled and you get blessed when you serve the greater body. Amen. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we're doers of your word and not just hearers only. Lord, I thank you for the series about save people serving people. Lord, I pray that each one of us who have made a decision to follow Christ, that we'll take a step of action and we'll commit to using our gifts right here in this house for your glory so that people far from you can get to know you. And with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to take just one more minute. And I want to invite you, if you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you really haven't discovered your true purpose yet. Your purpose is made clear in receiving Jesus. And your purpose is far bigger than you. It involves many others that you're called to minister to and to impact throughout your life. But it all starts with surrendering our will and our actions and our plan to Him. The Bible says if you call out on the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. I want to take a moment, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I I need Jesus in my life. I I need that, that knowing that I'm going to have eternal life on the other side of this earth on the other side of my time here. I need to know that my sins are being forgiven. I need to know that my purpose is being revealed. It all starts with Jesus. And if you're here today or you're watching online, you can let us know right in the chat box. Just say, I need prayer. Somebody pray with me. But, but right here in the auditorium, if, you, if that's you, I want you to do me a favor. Just put your hand up real high and put it right back down. Just signaling me, hey, I'm, I need prayer today. Pastor, pray for me. I won't embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to know who I'm praying for today. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, include me in that prayer. I need Jesus today. Just put your hand up and put it right back down. I see you. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, ma'am. I see you right back here. All the way in the back. I got you. Yes, I got you, sir. Say, Pastor, include me in that prayer. I want Jesus today. I need true life change. I see you all the way in the back. Got you, buddy. Anybody else want to join these courageous people and say, pray for me? I got you. Yes, sir. Let's do this. Would you look at me? A family church here. I want you to, if you're part of this family and you've prayed this prayer before, out of your heart, will you declare this with those that are praying this for the very first time? And those that are praying this prayer for the first time, the Bible says just pray it out of your heart and in a moment your life is going to be changed. Let's do this together. Say, dear Heavenly Father, today... I declare that I believe. I believe in Jesus. I believe that he was sent to this earth to be an example for me, to die on a cross, 
to pay for my sins, to be raised from the dead by the Holy Spirit, that I can have power to do what you've called me to do, to be reconnected with you, my Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Would you make some noise for all those that prayed that prayer? What a great day.